This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the August 15th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to talk about one of my favorite categories of fantasy, that's blocks. We're going to go over some specialists, sprinkle in some well-rounded guys, uh, and then talk about how you can kind of overcome their weaknesses and things of that nature. With me to do so is Ryan Kanaf. What's up, man? Not much, man. Uh, blocks are always a fun thing to talk about, so this should be interesting. As you mentioned, a lot of a lot of specialists, but there are definitely some guys out there that can get you blocks without hurting you anywhere. Yeah, the uh, the guys that are specialists, there's usually a, a big downside, and we'll kind of talk about that and just kind of figure out where you should take them, and um, I guess maybe who would be a good match, or it's just things that just broad strokes that obviously you're not going to go through your draft with one player in mind every single round. Ideally, you would, but uh, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I, I love blocks. I mean, whenever whenever I play ball, um, I love a good assist. Obviously, I love hitting a, a three or anything like that, but me getting a nice block on someone is my favorite, and I love chase-down blocks, but blocking someone going up for a layup or, in the NBA's case, a dunk, that's my favorite, man. Do you have a favorite, like, kind of uh, block uh I'm with you. Well, I'll say that in terms of pickup games, I used to say that I model myself on Andre Kirilenko because I'm uh, yeah. I'm kind of lanky, but I mean he could get it done. He was he was occasionally a threat for five by five lines, and yeah, yeah his defensive stats were always incredible. And I I personally love swatting someone's shot. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean you're talking like LeBron has made those chase down blocks in art form, basically. Um, Blocks at the rim. You got to respect that because you're basically setting yourself up to be on the wrong side of a poster. But uh-huh. you know when it works, it's a glorious moment. Yeah, and then I have to. I, they're rare. They're kind of a unicorn with the uh, the two handed blocks where you catch it. Those oh, are great. Yeah. And then there's also the the one handed corral where it's usually <laughs> against a guard where the big guy's just on top of it and just kind of hooks the ball. Yeah, it's or kinda... pinning it against the backboard. Yes, that's, that's yeah. a thing of beauty. Oh, I love those. And you know what? I think uh, an underrated part of shot blocking is keeping the ball in bounds. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, it can be inspiring. It gets the crowd into it if you just just wail one into the tenth round, <laughs> tenth row. But you know, someone I feel like Tim Duncan maybe was very good at this. Just just block a shot, keep it in bounds. Maybe get it. To, you know. Uh, sort of push it toward a teammate and that just gives your team a new possession it's a it's subtle but it's very important kind of the anti jeremy grant jeremy grant he, <laughs> he's aiming for the 12th row every time he goes for a swat it's, it's so good he's such an exciting player we'll touch on him quickly uh as him being a loser okay so let's get down to this uh we'll kick off with last year's blocks leader and by kind of a wide margin that's hassan whiteside and you may be surprised to know that he was number two in total fantasy value last year, after the break, uh, just un- and it, his blocks actually went down. He was at an unbelievable 3.9 pre-break, dipped to 3.4, which is still spectacular. But what made the difference for him was making 75% from the line, up from 55% pre-break. And this is in a 28-game sample post-break. So this mm. this is just this is probably the, in my opinion, the the biggest and definitely most impactful. 
anomaly. Maybe, or is it an anomaly, I guess? Uh, so we, we, we've been talking a lot about Towns and all these guys after that big four. Where does Whiteside fit in this group? I mean, he was just so incredible last year. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, uh, I mentioned in a recent column that Whiteside played 29 minutes per game last year, but he was a top 10 value. Uh, and that's entirely almost anchored by blocks where he was just, you know, head and shoulders above anyone else. DeAndre Jordan was second in the league with 2.3 blocks per game. Whiteside, 3.7. So you're talking about, you know, just an absolute category killer for you right there. So you get that, you get his, you mentioned his free throw shooting improved after the break, uh, shot over 60% from the field on 9.3 attempts. So it's not like he was, you know, just getting uh, uh, cleanup buckets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like him. I mean, 11.8 rebounds. If you want someone who can really lock down those categories for you, it's tough to go wrong. For me, though, to take to spend a top 10 pick on a guy who really is just three categories of value, that's that's a tough sell. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I look at guys like he's going to probably go right around where Millsap goes, and, and I'm taking Millsap in that situation. Uh, even yeah. Anthony, da- Anthony Davis is right there in that group. Um, I'd take him. Yeah, you're pretty much looking at those guys. And once, I mean, if you're taking Anthony Davis, it just makes no sense to take Whiteside. Uh, even though I'm not a, a big Davis guy, I'm not really ready to roll the dice yet. By the way, there's a we'll get to Davis actually in a second. Um, anything we we don't really need to talk about Whiteside. I mean, he's he is what he is. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, just final note. I guess I'd say I'd rather you know draft someone like Millsap. You said more well-rounded, and then just target a specialist in the later rounds. Yep, definitely. And you can always just nickel and dime your way. That's kind of how I always go for it. Uh, yeah. We talked about that in our last pod. We, you and I both just love taking well-rounded players. Uh, so a not well-rounded player is DeAndre Jordan. He is unbelievable for three categories with his blocks, with his field goal percentage, lower lower uh, overall attempts uh, at 6.6, but 70% last season, 71%, but the blocks. Two, uh, he's hit 2.5 three seasons ago, 2.2 and 2.3 last year. Guy is just a, a, a brick house uh, with how many games he plays. He had that 82-game, three-season stretch go, and plus the 66er. So he, he, he barely missed a game, and he, he missed five last year. But we know the drill. He is going to destroy your free throw. So we've said this. You guys know this. Uh, you take DeAndre, you punt free throws, and just dominate mm-hmm. dominate where you can. Yeah, there are a few players out there who are better for a, a punt free throw percentage build. I mean, he was only Drummond, I think, was a, a bigger negative value uh, in that category than DeAndre. So if you if you're into punting, that's great. I mean, you if you eliminate that category, he's instantly a top ten guy for sure. So it's a risky build. I know. I, I don't think you're too into just giving up on a category on draft day. Um, I, I'm not either. I don't typically build for, for punting anything, but if you're going to, DeAndre is definitely a guy to target. And we had a question about this on the podcast with on Friday with Steve about the new hack of rules. Do you think that affects DJ at all? I mean, he had eight attempts last year. I mean, that's just crazy. Do you see him taking maybe a one attempt dip? I mean, any any kind of dip there? Um, yeah, maybe one attempt per game possible, but even so, I mean, He's going from such a, a negative space that I don't see it really mitigating his negative impact. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're basically all those those bottom feeders in, in that roto category or even head-to-head, your DeAndres and your Drummonds and your Dwights, that's, that's pretty much it. 
Uh, yeah. Those guys are just they're just so so bad. Uh, okay, so another guy who did one of the bigger disappointments I would say last year was Rudy Gobert. He had in just 26 minutes per game in 14-15, blocks. So he increased to 32 minutes last year, and his blocks went down to 2.2. Could it be because of his knee injury? Uh, could it be just because he just wasn't in a good rhythm? Maybe he was focusing more on offense. And then also, 62% from the line, 56.9% last year. So he dropped there, and, and it looked like he was rising. He was close to, he was upper 70s after the break in 14-15. So this guy's going to slide a little bit. Um, and actually, I had a, a great question on my Twitter uh, asking to rank, and if you could chime in on this one, uh, Jokic, Gobert, and Jonas Valachunas. Uh, I said Jokic kind of by a mile, and then Gobert and Valachunas are super close for me. I would take them in that order, in the order that that question was posed, Jokic, Gobert and then Valanciunas. Yep, I, I said either way. I mean, like I said, if you miss if you miss blocks early in your draft, you're you're probably looking like fourth, fifth for those guys. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you totally lift on blocks, then I'd go Gobert. But if you got a good foundation on blocks, I'd probably go JB in that situation. Yeah, I just think Gobert. I'm not scared off him this year. I think the knee injury was a problem last year. He just never quite had it. As you said, he wasn't in rhythm. Um, he played 82 games the previous season. His minutes went up, but you, you pointed out his stats went down in many categories. His points barely increased. Um, assists barely increased. Steals actually went down. I was looking for him to, to maybe get toward that one per game mark, and instead he went down from 0.78 to 0.74. But I, I like him. I think the field goal percentage is going to come up. Uh, the free throw percentage, I don't see that. You know, he went from 62 to 57 last year. I think that's going to come up. So I, I like him to bounce back and kind of be a, you know, right in that top 40 range. Yeah, looking at his post break from two seasons ago, so 14-15, 11.1 points, 13.4 boards, 2.6 blocks, 1.0 steals. I mean, he was just so, so good and just kind of plateaued. So yeah, he's gonna probably be a, be a good, good value a guy who went solid second round last year. Uh, but yeah, so Anthony Davis, another guy we've talked about a ton. Um, not only was he hurt, but he dropped almost across the board. Very slight dip in points. The blocks took a massive hit from two point nine, and he had two point eight in thirteen fourteen. Dropped all the way down to two point zero. Um, field goal percentage went way down fifty four percent to forty nine percent. Field goal free throw percentage went down. Uh, boards went barely up. His assists went down. His steals went down. I mean, the injuries are there, and his turnovers went up. So that guy that we saw break out that a lot of people took number one did not and he, and didn't even play well. Uh, he was even almost a wouldn't call him a bust, but disappointing even before the injuries. He was disappointing. I will say, in his defense, his turnovers went up, but they went up to a career-high two, two per game, which for an elite guy like that who has such high usage, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, he also, his three-point shooting, he actually showed some range. You know, Before the season, they were talking about it. He ended up hitting .6 per game, 32% from beyond the arc. So you like to see if that can keep going. Uh, crept up a little bit to a career-high 10.3 rebounds. And despite all the injuries, despite the poor play, you know, everyone was disappointed in him and so forth. Um, and he killed owners at the end of the season, don't get me wrong. But he missed 21 games, and he was still a second-round value, cumulative. So, I mean... Just incredible upside. It's still there. And we've talked about him before, so we don't have to get too far into it. But um, complete risk-reward. You just have to basically gamble on the health of his knee and shoulder. Yep. 
Uh, I mean, it makes sense. You're going to pick, if, usually when you pick in the, especially in bigger leagues, like in a 30-team league or 16-team league, you kind of got to hit a home run. You really need to have the guy you pick at 11-12 to kind of take a or, or you just have to smash your draft the entire way through. Um, but yeah, he's a, a really nice pick. Um, the old saying goes, you can only lose your uh, lose your draft in the first round. Um, it's kind of the way it goes. But yeah, he's he's solid. Uh, and he, uh, one thing I wanted to add, he's doing a little bit of a, a boxing regimen to help his off-season training, which I do not co-sign on. Uh, <laughs> so to be careful. Um, he uh, Hopefully he's just uh, the guy who he's sparring with is, is real gentle with him. <laughs> yeah, he'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so another guy who's been kind of a fantasy stud, uh, even though he's 36 years old now, is Pal Gasol. Uh, hit the hit the 2.0 blocks threshold. Uh, was 1.9 two seasons ago with the Bulls. Uh, yeah, just rock solid. I mean, this guy is just uh, a fantasy Hall of Famer and a reality Hall of Famer. He's just so good. But he's got the pop factor now. Um, generally, the Spurs don't. I, I want to say I don't have stats on this, but I don't feel. I feel like the Spurs don't block as many shots. Uh, well, now you know Duncan in his prime, but I feel like they're just more stay at home. Don't be too aggressive kind of thing. So I don't see him hitting 2.0. I don't see him hitting even 30 minutes a game coming down from 32. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see him being uh, kind of a top five guy. But he, he's still going to probably be undervalued again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, first round in 2014-15, second round guy last year. But I think between the age and the concerns about the Spurs and playing time, uh, DMP olds coming down the stretch, he's... Yeah, he's going to tumble in drafts, but if he falls into the fourth round, I'd be happy to snag him. I think that's a that's a serious value right there. Are you with me on that Spurs kind of stay-at-home mentality, or am I just kind of imagining things? No, it does seem that way. I mean, yeah, they're not going to be overly aggressive. They have a very um, sort of almost conservative defensive approach, especially from the big men. So Gasol's a natural shot blocker, but I don't see him getting up to two per game again, which he did last year for the first time since uh, 2006-2007 with the Grizzlies. So, yeah, in a different system with fewer minutes, I don't think he's going to, you know, maybe one and a half, somewhere in there. Yeah, so where would he fit in this whole JV Gobert um, kind of rank for you? I think, I think I'd gamble on Gobert's upside over Gasol. Yeah. Um, I don't know, JV and, JV and Powell. Pretty close for me. Yeah, I would put him uh, after J after both. Um, he's just the, the the pop factor is is just too too much mm. for a guy at that age. Um, they don't they don't care how many games they win in the regular season. So when it's playoff time, although Duncan's been better, I would say Duncan's been better than expected. Pretty much since the whole pop era, where guys will get the DMP olds, et cetera, et cetera. He's been better, but still, I don't know. It's just not the way I draft. Um, I'd rather take the young guy with the, the sort of unknown upside. Yeah, you um, make a good, you make a good point about Pop, though. I think that looms so large in people's imaginations, and uh, it's such a powerful storyline that it tends to be overstated sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, uh, only in the older guys. Like, I don't really see it. I love Lamarcus. Uh, I could see myself drafting him late second. Obviously, I love Kawhi. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fine. Um, okay, so a guy who I expect to hit two blocks after. He had a one, two, three, four, five season stretch of hitting at least two point four blocks. This is Serge Ibaka. Uh, he fell to one point nine. A very, very disappointing season for him. Uh, down in points from his last four of his seasons, that was his worst 
there. Worst rebounding. His threes went down from last season. Another guy that just let people down. He's in a new situation now in Orlando. I think Frank Vogel really, really wants to protect the paint. Um, and all that extra size up front is going to kind of allow his guys to do more defensively, uh, especially in yeah. blocks. And also, we should add that uh, Nikola Vucevic isn't the greatest post-up defender and strong side defender, so I would expect Serge to get some weak side blocks there. So he's a guy that I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in that 2.7 range uh, from a couple seasons ago, flirting with three. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes uh, white side. Um, not quite, but uh, he's he's gonna, he's he's huge. I like him a lot. Yeah, I love Ibaka to bounce back. Going to be 27 this year. Uh, he's super durable. Only in 2014-15 did he really have any injury concerns to speak of. Um, the, his field goal percentage has come down, but that's mostly a product of his three-point attempts going up. He was pushed toward the perimeter, just asked to do things that wasn't quite in his wheelhouse. And to his credit, he didn't really complain too much, even though he was clearly a third wheel offensively in OKC. So I like him to bounce back quite a bit. Um, and you said it, Vogel's serious about interior defense. The fact that he hasn't named Vucevic the starting center speaks volumes. Yeah, he definitely wants to put his fingerprints all over that team. Uh, so yeah, we can. We're, um, so I, if, based on what I'm thinking from you, would be he's just a, a tad behind Jokic for you, or or what? If that yeah, that I'd take Jokic before him, but I would take I Sorry, I think I'd take Ibaka over um over Balanchunas for sure over Pau. Gobert. Um, that's close. Uh, yeah, I think I'd take Ibaka over Gobert. Yeah. I would too. Yeah, probably by about five, six, seven picks, half a round or so. Uh, so uh, we'll talk some rookies here. Got them in tandem. And, man, I, I, I went to a baseball game the other day, about a week ago, and with some friends who are into fantasy basketball, but not like I'm sure our listeners are if you're listening to a fantasy basketball podcast in August, you're pretty into it. But I was talking to some guys, and I was like, oh, Miles Turner, Miles Turner, I love Miles Turner. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, dude, he's so good. He had 3.3 blocks in the postseason, and they just didn't seem to be as enthusiastic about it as I was. So I thought that everyone was going to be a Miles Turner uh, but apparently not. Um, like I said, the blocks in the postseason were so good. He had 2.6 blocks in just 22 minutes at Texas. That's not the greatest indicator, but this guy can block shots. He had a better block rate than almost anyone of, uh, of NBA caliber players. So I love Miles Turner. I don't think he's in that this range we keep talking about with the JV's Go Bears, but he's surprisingly close for me. Um, and actually, Ethan Noroff did a draft with some, with, uh, some guys, and he went in like the ninth round. I'm just like, how the hell did that even happen? I guess people were just sleeping on Miles Turner. So I don't think I'm as as high on yeah. him as like, like you are. Yeah, uh, I'm really high on him. I guess your buddies weren't either, but that's fine. I mean, it's nice to to pick a horse and ride him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, per 36, he averaged 2.3 blocks per game, so that's solid. I don't see him going above that this year for sure. But he's a, a super talented player. If he could just get more steals, a couple more assists, and work on that three-point range, that would be nice. He only shot 23% from deep last year. Uh, I'd like to see a little more versatility there. But, yeah, he's a, he's a solid player. Great upside for blocks. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over. Shot well from the field overall. And who knows what he could do. He was 19 years old last year. So, I mean, sky's the limit for him. Yeah, 73% from the line. Didn't shoot that well in the postseason. That's okay. Um, to be clear, I don't think he's going to block 3.3 per game in the regular season. Right. But a guy I, I expect him to get too. 
And if you can get two and you keep your free throws in the 70s or even mid-70s, man, you're going to be close to top 50 right there. Uh, so you're I don't not how many points you score. Yeah, I think I know the answer to this, but you're not worried about uh, Thad Young's impact on him at all? Not at all. No, he's going to play center, and uh, the guys that I was talking to were like, oh, they got Al Jefferson. Like, yeah, if you say, oh, they got Al Jefferson, like, six years ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't see that impacting him at all. Um, yeah. I see him getting pretty much a straight split uh, down the min- uh, for minutes. Um, you know Larry Bird wants to push the tempo, and faster tempo tends to lead to kind of more defensive stats, be it steals, even blocks, and things of that nature. More possessions, obviously, more points and boards and all that good stuff. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like him as a, a nice 12-8, 249-ish free field goal, 74-ish free throw, man. That's that's top 50 right there. Yeah. Um, I, I love that kind of stuff. Just since you mentioned Al Jefferson, I'll... I'll quickly segue he's he's only gonna be 31 years old this season yeah. but he seems much older he's kind of luol deng type a lot of miles on him um but he averaged 0.9 blocks per game the first time in 10 seasons that he's been under a block per game and that's you could just see his efficiencies fading in almost every category it's tough to tough to even draft him really yeah his knees are probably about 55 though yeah <laughs> yeah that's um the show Ballers on uh, HBO, t- um, one guy's talking about how he's like, hey, I'm only 40 years old. It's like, yeah, your hip thinks you're 80. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing with, with me and uh, Al Jeff. Uh, so again, another rookie here. Uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis um, had 1.9 blocks, just right under that 2.0 threshold. And he uh, pretty much had a, a little bit of a, a downward trend as well. He was a little bit higher earlier in the season. But, uh, and speaking of which, uh, November 2.1, December 2.2, then he also had 2.1 in February, uh, but then overall downward trend there. Uh, and when his minutes were kind of going up, which is very interesting. So where do you see him fitting in this mix? Um, he, again, he's right in that Jokic, he's going to go around where Jokic is going to go. And yeah. and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Jokic more, but. Definitely like Porzingis. He's going to go so high, though, just because uh, the New York factor. And he's just so – just everyone knows his name and right. the New York fa- – yeah. What do you think? Yeah, fun – I mean, fun player to own. And it's – you know, you, you love that kind of unknown upside. It's it's going to be it's going to be a blast owning him. And I wish I would, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to fall to me. I think everyone's going to be looking to get him in the early rounds. And he's just going to be off the board before he gets to me. So – in my view, I'd take him probably just before Ibaka. I do like Jokic more. Um, but for sure, almost every owner would say they'd take Porzingis before Ibaka. So I think everyone's just too high on him for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm totally in agreement. We could just, where do you see his blocks coming in? So he was, you know, 1.9 last year. Uh, he th- probably like low twos, man. I mean, he's a pretty yeah. good shot blocker. Does the Hornacek factor do anything for you at all? No, I'm not worried about that. Um, I think the pace will be there. He'll be fine in the system, but it's, uh, you know, he only played 28 minutes per game last year and he did wear down as the season went on. I expect him to be better in that regard. And with the minutes coming up, I think low twos for blocks is a, is conservative even. Yeah. They're going to play at a faster pace than the old, uh, the old Knicks system. I yeah. guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I could see him hitting 17, 18 points, uh, nine boards, two point three blocks that's really nice but the field goal yeah. percentage is the difference uh, yeah one one, one thing i'd like to see uh and 
I mean, in regards to field goal percentage, is the Knicks are they've been so heavy for isolations the past few years. They've been in the top three for isos. Um, so you'd like to see more ball movement, get him easier shots, get in transition, stuff like that will help him because he was only 42% from the field last year. And if that comes up, that's huge for his value. Yep. Uh, do you see, do you think just kind of a tangent here? Do you think overall they're going to, um, where do you see them? Where do you see them in pace kind of middle of the road? You, Cause Horn of six teams have been kind of up there. Yeah, but I think when your team is kind of built around Carmelo Anthony, you're <laughs> never going to lead the league in pace. So yeah. I think. I think middle of the road would be good for them. That sounds pretty much right where I'm at. Uh, okay, so we can move on. We'll do this quickly. We've hit so much uh, Paul, Paul Millsap, uh, just a, a total stud. Um, just I, I was thinking about this before. He's basically like KD without really the added offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just so good in so many categories. Uh, he's always solid for the percentages. Love Millsap, man. Just uh, people who play fantasy will will sing his praises, but people who do not, like, ah, oh, yeah, he's okay. Like, no, he's actually yeah. like one of the yeah. best power forwards in the NBA. Yeah, not worried about him. I mean, thirty one years old, uh, no Horford. I don't really see that negatively impacting him. If anything, it might might help him a little bit. Um, although it'd be interesting to see how he works with Dwight. I'm not yeah. quite quite sold on that pairing, but uh, yeah, Millsap's just too good in too many categories to really worry about his value. Uh, and one one thing you love about him, he gives you those out of position steals. So I think he like almost every year he's among the leaders in forwards for steals. He was at 1.83 per game last year, which is just under his career high. Um, yeah, he's just a top 20 stud. Do you think that Dwight eats into his blocks at all? No, I don't see him impacting his blocks necessarily, no. Yeah, me neither. Uh, one thing I was looking up while we were chatting um, kind of piqued my interest on Porzingis' isolation attempts. Uh, according to Synergy, he had 6.1 of his shots coming in isolation. He was 41 percentile on nose. So I don't think it's going to affect him too much, but yeah. still, uh, just drop that isolation number out of there. Um, that's much I, lower than I thought. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah same. It's, I, I thought it was higher, too. I thought it was going to be close to 10. Uh, so, yeah, Syner- um, Synergy is not the end-all, be-all, but I, I tend to rely on them. Yeah. Okay, so another guy who dipped uh, on blocks is Nerwins Noel, coming off uh, a very good rookie season um, with 1.9 blocks. He kept his minutes pretty close to where they were, 30.8 his rookie season, 29.3 last season, but 1.9 blocks, all the way down to 1.5. Um, significant drop there. For Usually you see those guys increase, especially when they're so young. But yeah, um, he was another kind of a disappointing guy, especially early in the season, um, just because his field goal percentage was down, free throw was down, everything was down. But he came around a little bit, thanks to Ish Smith, but no more Ish Smith, so he's going to have to reinvent his game, and there's also the trade rumors too. So a lot of things to address. Uh, If he gets traded, I think Philly's system is great for blocks, so I think that helps him. I think a trade probably... Hurts him a little bit, uh, at least his ceiling, anyways. So, what do you, what are your thoughts on um, on Noel, and maybe where does he fit in this group we keep talking about? Yeah, it's tough. I w- I loved Noel last year, and I'm I'm not off him necessarily, but he started out horrible last year. Uh, terrible free uh, field goal percentage. He was just kind of dragging in, in every category, and he got better as the year progressed, but um, ended up missing 15 games. And just was a disappointment. He still finished, you know, solid mid-round guy, top 60 value in ACAT. But, um, you know, the field goal percentage hurts you. Low scoring. Doesn't get too many assists. So some caveats there. Uh, In terms of the trade, 
That's interesting. I, it's really going to depend if and where he lands. Uh, as you mentioned, Philly, that the pace alone there just gets so many possessions, gives you more opportunities to rack up some stats. It's a good, you know, good system for blocks. So I don't necessarily see a trade helping him. So I, I'd be a little bit leery of taking him inside the top fifty. Yeah. So he's pretty much after this this high end group we keep talking about, right? Yeah, I guess you'd have to kind of put him. You know, after Porzingis for sure, after Jokic, after Baca even for me. Um, Gobert, would you take Noel or Gobert? Uh, Gobert. Yeah, same I, What I about know, man. What about I'd, Pau? Uh, that's, that's close. I'd probably roll the dice on Noel. Okay. But it's close. It's, uh, I don't even know. It, it depends on how my team's doing, I guess. Like if I... Right. You know, but I, I, pro- I don't think I'm going to draft either, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I just I don't like trade rumors on guys. It's just it seems like more often than not than guy that guys will have their value go down than up. It's very rare where a guy gets traded because mm-hmm. they usually get traded. A good player gets traded to a good team usually, <laughs> so uh, it just kind of hurts them. Yeah, yeah, and even even if you get you know you walk into a perfect situation, you get plenty of minutes. It it just takes time to adjust to your yep. teammates, adjust to a new system. And Noel doesn't seem like the quickest study in the league, so I, I wouldn't. You know, be super confident in his ability to immediately ingratiate himself with the Celtics or any other team. Yeah, especially since he's not great at getting his own shot. Uh, kind of the, I guess, the anti Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris picked it up so fast on, on his new team. Yeah. Love, love Tobias Harris. Okay, so moving along here, staying in the same division, uh, another guy who's been kind of has a bad stigma, I guess, and that's Brooke Lopez. Uh, the foot injuries have, are kind of behind him a little bit. Uh, he's played in 73 games last year, 72, two seasons ago. Uh, he was really good on the stat line with 21 points, 1.7 blocks. Uh, never really been a great rebounder, but percentage monster, 51%. This guy is, is very, very solid. And if we knew he, we'd get 75 games out of Brook, we'd be looking second round at him. <laughs> Maybe, you know, yeah, uh, but there's the risk. So he he's right. He fits in that that. JV Gobert kind of range where you just JV you're worried about playing time, Gobert you're worried about offense I guess, and Brook you're worried about that foot breaking. Um, yeah, so Brook's owners the past two seasons they've gotten a real steal. Uh, you mentioned the foot injuries were a huge concern, so he tumbled in drafts, but he missed uh, only ten games two seasons ago, nine games last year, so he's been a complete steal sitting right in that top thirty range, top twenty five. Um, you kind of like him to be there again. I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen to him down the stretch because the Nets aren't going to be in contention. And, I mean, they don't have too many young guys that they really would want to develop. And I'm confused as to what they're doing, adding Trevor Booker, Luis Scola, um, guys like that to their front court. But, yeah, I, just that concern about DMPs down the stretch is enough to bump Lopez a little bit lower. The foot injury, as much as you can look at his stats and say he's been healthy for two years, there is some stigma about him that I can't really shake. So I, I wouldn't be comfortable taking him in the top two, maybe even three rounds. Even after that, man, um, like I said, he, he's right in that, that range, that JV Gobert, big man with a little bit of risk range. Um, yeah. I think he fits in last, like you said. I'm worried yeah. about getting sh- shut down. Uh, they're they're going to be really bad this year. Uh, one of the worst teams. And I know Steve and I talk about this a lot. Um, who do you think is going to be worse in the standings, 76ers or Nets? Uh, I, 
I used to say 76ers, but now I'm starting to think Nets. This yeah. is, just looks like a complete mess to me, and I have no faith in Jeremy Lin as a lead point guard for an entire season. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah, not at all. Uh, and they don't have their draft deck either, which which is even worse. Yeah, nice trade there, Billy King. <laughs> all right, so we'll move on here to a guy who kind of dropped. Uh, another guy who was always good with blocks, um, and that's Dwight Howard. Uh, we saw him drop all the way down to 1.6 blocks. Very surprising. Really just wasn't Dwight. Um, just down everywhere. Only 13.7 points. Just wasn't himself, even with uh, an increase in minutes from uh, two seasons ago. But we know the drill. Uh, a new team, new uniform, fun social media account on the Hawks. Love their social media. But uh, his same, I'm, not, I'm never drafted. I haven't drafted Dwight in a, a nine-cat league or eight-cat league and like my whole life. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I can honestly say the exact same thing. I, he's never been on my team. And if I'm going to punt, which I, I said earlier I don't build to punt, but sometimes, you know, if Drummond falls to me in the you know late third round or something, I'm like, oh, fine, I'll just take him and go go with that. But if I'm going to punt, why would you take Dwight Howard? Like, he's he's the worst of the punt options, so I just don't like him. Um, career low free throw percentage last year at 48.9%. Uh, you know, he, he shot very well from the field, 61.9%, but he only got 8.5 attempts. The Rock, He was just marginalized in the Rockets' offense, never really gelled with James Harden. Um, yeah, just too many caveats there, and his health is an ongoing concern. I don't like him at all. Do you buy, he keeps talking about how it was kind of a, a mental issue with him, which is the most important thing for free throws, right? You want to make sure you're in a, a good headspace when you're shooting yeah. free throws. Do you buy that? I mean, maybe that's why his free throw percentage dipped. Uh, I get it because he, I mean, when you're saying that openly, and he knows, Dwight's a smart guy when it comes to taking on the media. He's usually good at biting his tongue. But he's starting to say that like it's yeah, mental and stuff. Do you think he's kind of making an excuse? Or do you think it's legit? Maybe he can get to where he was a couple seasons ago at 55, even earlier. Uh, with his last couple years with the Magic, uh, he got up to 59, what, four seasons in a row. Yeah. So and that, he was hanging around sixty, which is still really bad, especially with that crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy volume. But do you see him? Do you see him seeing like getting close to sixty again? I I don't. I mean, he hasn't been close to sixty in five years. And yeah. if a guy who's in his whatever twelfth NBA season is saying that he's in his own head at the free throw <laughs> line, I have no no expectations that he's going to get out of his head and at age thirty one. I mean, yeah, he is who he is at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just kind of make, making something to talk about <laughs> all right so just quickly on jeremy grant looks like he's going to play some small forward minutes like i said i love jeremy grant he's one of my most exciting players uh, and he's going to lose minutes to now one of my new most exciting players is dario Sarge. Um but yeah um fortunately jeremy grant uh he's had some great games we, we love him in dfs at times uh, i know evan silva the uh nfl uh, Rotor World senior editor is the biggest Jeremy Grant fan around. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just kind of keep an eye on him in case something happens to Covington or Sarge is a flop at small forward, right? Yeah, I mean, there's occasional bursts you mentioned, and those, you know, the blocks are, are great. Per 36, he was at 2.2 blocks per game, which is awesome for a small forward. But I don't like him at all for fantasy, personally. Uh, you mentioned too much competition there. Dario Sarge. Um, you know, you got Covington. There's just too many, too many bodies. Um, and Grant, especially, he shot 
42% from the field last year, which was way up from his rookie season. Uh, 66% from the free throw line. So, yeah, just uh, plenty of reasons to avoid him for me. Yeah, it's it's sad. I was hoping he would be better. He needs to get traded to uh, the Nets, man. Trade him to the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got Bismack Biombo. We talked about the Magic, so we'll hit him quickly. Uh, always a, a great permanent block guy. He had 1.4 blocks uh, in the postseason and then 1.6 in the regular season in just 22 minutes. So uh, he just needs pretty much... 25 minutes. I, I think he can flirt with 2.0 with the way the Magic are going to be aggressive, uh, kind of just funneling to their their big men on the weaker perimeter defense. Um, so yeah, but again, uh, bad free throw shooter, pretty much just a straight specialist. But he won't go to the line that much, so he won't destroy you there. Um, I, I'd like to stream him or use him as a, a head-to-head kind of a guy, but in a rotor league, that still hurts me a little bit for a guy who's not going to score almost at all. Yeah, um, boards and blocks. That's that's what he does. Maybe a little bit mild field goal percentage help, but so few attempts. I mean, three and a half shots per game last year, under three the season before. So I think he could definitely hit that mid-20s uh, minutes per game. The Magic paid to get him, so they're going to definitely give him minutes. As I mentioned earlier, Frank Vogel hasn't ruled out starting him. Uh, which is crazy to me, but who, who knows? So yeah, if he gets twenty, you know, twenty four, twenty six minutes somewhere in there, he's probably going to be a late round value. Um, but just just boards and blocks, and if you need a specialist in the late rounds, go ahead and grab him. Otherwise, not much to see there. Crab, uh, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. Boards and blocks. That's what Bismack BM does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see here. Um, actually, do you see him playing any power forward in uh, Nick or? Next to Vooch, or where do you see him being straight I, center? I, I mean, more like I mean, more like Vooch should be the power forward, if you will. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Vooch is talented enough offensively. I think he could make that work. I just don't like the matchup. I mean, you talk about smaller, quicker power forwards who can hit threes. So that's going to be entirely matchup dependent. If the other team has a guy like David West maybe out there, it's possible that Vooch could kind of defend that mid-range pick-and-pop game. But I don't. I don't see that going very well defensively, and I don't think Vogel's going to turn to it. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's, that's a, a crazy, crazy problem to have um, with the way they addressed their, their offseason. Yeah. Uh, so probably one of the ultimate specialists would be John Henson. I mean, this guy, he can block him like nobody's business, but he can't. He still hasn't done anything on offense. Uh, he, he had, I want to say he had a good like, like two-week stretch couple seasons ago where he was like oh yeah he can score down low but that never really came to fruition but yeah i mean last season just 17 minutes a game 1.9 blocks um yeah so but he can't shoot the free throw and yeah just kind of like biz but worse on offense uh and he's a worse free throw shooter too uh, but yeah there's also the greg monroe trade rumors which could help him there but um, would you even take, like, say, you whiffed on blocks? Would you take a late spot on Henson just to hold him? Or uh, I would actually. Yeah, yeah. I think en- enough upside there. The playing time's a huge issue, and hopefully, for Henson's value, they do trade Greg Monroe, which would open up a lot more minutes. Miles um, Plumley is kind of a looming threat, but if it's a center rotation of Henson and Plumley, that's fine for me. I mean, that would be great, and um, his blocks per per minute have gone up every year in the league. He was at 4.1 blocks per 36 minutes last year. So that's huge. I mean, that's that's a ridiculous number. He's in white side territory if he were to get that many minutes, which he won't. Um, 
But yeah, I like him as a, as a late round specialist. If you just need someone to plug that gap, I for sure would target John Henson in the late rounds. Yeah, I hated how he lost minutes to Miles Turner or my sorry Miles. I got Miles Turner in the brain. Uh, Miles Plumley. Yeah, uh, that really killed me. But yeah, I mean, if you whiffed on blocks, and you, it's very easy to do. It's just such a highly coveted category if you're in a yeah. smart league. Uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. I mean, look at um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had I want to say he had like ten games with at least five blocks last season. There was one stretch where was it here? I'm looking at his game log. Yeah, he had uh, like December, January. He was just blocking everything. Um, had a bunch of four-plus block games in like a two-week stretch. But yeah, that's, that's all he does. Uh, he's not going to do much else. Yeah. So a guy that we kind of skipped over for big men is Robin Lopez. New situation, going to play in an up-tempo system. Uh, not going to have, uh, I guess, great perimeter defense around him. I mean, Rondo's not a great defender. Butler's good, but Wade's old. So he's pretty another guy that's just kind of JV-esque, where he's good on uh, free throws, good on field goal percentage, very sneaky. Came on late. Uh, you look at his post split numbers for post break: twelve point two points, two point zero blocks uh, in just thirty minutes, nine point two boards. Just another solid fantasy guy, very surgy JVE kind of guy. Yeah, two two seasons ago, and or three seasons, I should say, in Portland. He was a top 50 guy. He was top 30 in nine count. Uh, and that's in just 32 minutes per game. So I expect him. I thought his minutes would be higher with the Knicks last year. He was under 27 per game. I think for sure that's going to go up. And whether the Bulls intend to or not, they're going to be funneling players toward him because you mentioned Rondo, Wade. I mean, defensively, I, I just see them getting uh, sliced up. So Lopez is going to have to be a backstop for them. And he's a good shot blocker. I mean, over one and a half per game last year in just 27 minutes. Uh, 10 points, seven boards, one and a half assists. Uh, doesn't get any steals, but he's a good free throw shooter. And that's something we haven't really mentioned. Uh, when you talk about all these blocks, guys, so many of them are terrible free throw shooters. So when you find someone like Lopez who can get you one and a half blocks, but also shoots almost 80% from the line, that's found money. That's That's great. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that 2013-14 post-break. I looked it up really fast. 11.7 points, 8.8 boards, 2.0 blocks, um, no no steals really, uh, and then 58% from the field, 85% from the line on three attempts. I mean, that he was, I want to say, second round post-break. I, I did a second-half studs thing on him. He was, um, yeah. Yeah, he was just so, so good. Uh, and that was high second round. He was like 15-16 overall. But yeah, he's going to slip, man. Just not a sexy player um, because, just because of the low scoring total, and that's fine. Um, you'll get scoring elsewhere. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, he's gonna, you could probably pick him up like 8th, ninth. I mean, there's a little risk there, but he, he's solid, man. I'd, uh, I'd definitely take him, especially because you look at the Bulls' depth chart. I mean, what do you see from Cristiano Felicio this year? Do you think he's going to have any any fantasy relevance? or? Nah, just pretty much behind Brooke. I, I mean, he hope. He'll be sneaky at times because he's uh, like, like Brooke, good free throw shooter. Uh, Rolo, you mean? I'm sorry. Yeah, I did. I did. A, <laughs> I did. A, I did the Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> You're right. Uh, okay, so moving along here, uh, we gotta talk about Giannis just quickly. Uh, he's just so so good. Um, you could kick off on him. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean we've talked about him before. He's a surefire first round guy. You're probably gonna have to burn a top 10 pick to get him i'd say for sure um eight cat even higher just an absolute beast after the break last year the assists he was over seven per game um yeah he's just a complete animal i, I love him and 
the ability to contribute in so many different categories is is what you look for in an early round guy, and I think I'm I'm on board with him as a late first round pick. Yeah, one point nine blocks, seven point two assists after the break. Come on, <laughs> the guy is just uh, a complete stat freak, and I, I I already see myself in that dilemma of Millsap and Giannis. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough decision for a lot of people because if you're sitting there at nine or so, and they're both there, they are not making it back to you on the uh, at fourteen fifteen. Uh, so that I don't know, man. I I made. I think I have to take Giannis as much as Millsap's my boy. Uh, just the ceiling. He's twenty one, um, yeah. and he's, yeah. he's got the keys to the car and everything. Um, he he may go five, man. I mean, he may not even make it to eight. Yeah. Honestly, uh, between I, I I love Millsap too, but between him and Giannis, that's not even a choice for me. I really? I definitely take Antetokounmpo. I love. I think they're pretty comparable values, but it's just so much more fun to have Antetokounmpo. That True. I just want to see what he could do with a full season of uh, you know pseudo point guard responsibilities. It's going to be a light show every night, and um, yeah, I want tickets. <laughs> so let's see here. So is he there? Okay, what about him or Towns? Oh, Towns. Okay, okay. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Especially in, yeah, I'd, I'd rather try to find a small forward in the middle late rounds than try to find someone comparable to Towns who can fill the center position. Okay. Uh, what about Kawhi? Uh, Kawhi over e- either. Yeah. So who, who, so you just have, is it just firm Towns then Giannis? Is there anyone else you sneak in there? I, I don't, I'm trying to think of who else would be a tough call for you. It sounds like until you have it. I don't know. Yeah, probably. T- I mean, where would you take in terms of Towns, Giannis, and Anthony Davis? Where would you? How that, would you rank those that guys? Or, that order, with kind of like like how you have it. It sounds like just kind of firm in between. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, I take all three of those guys. Uh, well, actually, Steve and I talked about Boogie, and uh, we'll ask you this one: Boogie or AD? Or Boogie or AD? That's a tough one, huh? Uh, that is tough. Um, Honestly, I think I'd go with Davis. I, I, I forget what I said. It's just such a toss-up. <laughs> yeah, right? it's, it's a tough call, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably take Davis. Part of it is Cousins hasn't exactly been a model of health. He missed 17 games last year. He missed, uh, I think, 23 the season before, uh, 11 the season before that. So, he, you know, he's not exactly an Iron Man. Yeah, he doesn't really get the nod over Davis, which is saying something, right, for the, the health yeah. issues. Ooh, I'm trying to think. No, I don't think we're forgetting. So I guess that's just the way it's going to go down. At like five, six, seven, just in that uh, that Giannis range. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. What about Whiteside? Just just to nah. prolong this conversation. Would you? Yeah, uh... it's. I mean, this is what people want to hear, though, man. I mean, first round yeah. is is huge. Yeah, nah, I'm I'm good there. I wonder if people are gonna. I I almost think people will take Giannis at like four. The guy is just everyone loves him. Like you said, the fun yeah, factor is it. just so. And you don't. We should point this out. You barely talk fun factor. So I you talk, you talking about the fun factor just says <laughs> how much fun he is. And I'm the same way, man. Like you and I are like, all right, just look at the stats. Yep. Uh, and Steve is his calling card is fun to own. Yeah, I'm. I'm usually very like coldly rational <laughs> to a fault, but the, yeah, I just I, I love that guy. So. <laughs> all right, so uh, we love that guy. Let's talk about another guy we love. First, uh, just Nikola Jokic will tie into the block specialist in a second. But he had 0.8 blocks. We talked about Jokic every single podcast, I feel like. Um, 
But yeah, and do you see him hitting one just quickly? Do you see him hit one point two blocks a game? Uh, yeah, yeah, I could see him getting there. I think you know, just general improvement, um, better timing, better instincts. He knows the league a little more, and he was at just twenty two minutes per game last year. So you, you know, extrapolate that out to maybe high twenties, something like that. Um, I think over one a game is reasonable. Yeah, um, pointing after the break, like I said, and then, yeah, I think probably about one point two feels about right. Just very, very young, and uh, they almost—if you remember—there were a couple times he got put in the doghouse hard because his pick and roll defense was really bad. So as he gets better there, uh, I think he'll have a little bit more freedom around the basket to go for blocks. I just thought that they really were like, "All right, dude, get your pick and roll defense under wraps." Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think that'll kind of help him there too. So the block specialist side of this is Joseph Nurkic, who is a straight-up gamble because his knees are are big-time trouble. His minutes are going to be down. There's obviously the Jokic factor, but they'll play together a little bit. But this guy can block. I mean, 1.4 blocks in just 17 minutes last season. Um, He's a pretty decent rebounder. His steals are usually pretty good. Uh, His percentages are kind of down, which, which hurts a little bit. But this guy, talk about fun to own, too. He's always flexing on people and staring people <laughs> down, finger-wagging. Uh, real fun player. A guy that I'm definitely grabbing if I if I need a big man late, even like round 11, 12, I'll, I'll take a chance there. Yeah, I'm fine with him as a specialist in that sort of John Henson range kind of um, fun, fun to own. You know, 41.7% from the field is a killer for a, a big man, and... Uh, health is an issue you mentioned playing time might not be there he also shot 61.6 percent from the free throw line uh turned the ball over 1.7 times in just 17 minutes per game so there's a lot of reasons to avoid him but as, as in terms of specialists i think he's a fine pickup yeah would you take him or henson uh, I think I'd go Henson just in the expectation that Greg Monroe is going to depart and more minutes are going to open up. I just I see his role as a little bit uh, clear clear path to playing time. Yeah, um, I'd probably go. I mean, I'd go Nurk probably handily actually. Yeah, just the up the upside is a little higher for me. You're right, and there's you know he's one injury away from a massive role. True, true. I could, I could see that. I'm and not I'm not hard sell on on Henson. I guess. Yeah, and I mean he he was hurt all last season, so I, and Denver wasn't really in the playoffs, so it's not like they were like all right, keep it under control, you know. They're yeah. just like do your thing. Um, so a couple guys we've talked about uh, haven't really talked about Derek Favors much. We talked about Gobert, but it's hard to believe. I mean, Favors has been he came in the league so so young, and he's kind of coming around. Before he got hurt, he was awesome. He was flirting with first round. Uh, just uh, He plays a lot of center. Do you see him coming off uh, a pretty good season with 16 points, 8 boards, 1.5 blocks in 32 minutes? Uh, those 32 minutes were a career high for him. Uh, so where do you, see him, do you see him? And he also had 1.7 blocks in 14-15 uh, too. So he's, he's definitely an upper, upper ones blocks kind of guy. Yeah, I personally love Derek Favors. Um, I think he's in a great position. Trey Lyles is probably going to get more minutes. DL is going to get a couple, but uh, I see Favors dominating the minutes at power forward, probably getting some backup center minutes for sure. Um, otherwise, it's you know Police and Jeff Withy. Uh, so I, I like Favors there. He's also shown, which you like, consistent improvement. You mentioned he was very young when he came into the league. He's sort of taken a while to find his his game. Uh, he's only going to be 25 this year, but he's in his sixth or seventh, I should say, NBA season. So he's a vet, and his scoring has gone up every single season. Uh, peaked at 16.4 last year. 
eight boards, one and a half assists. He was career high, 1.2 steals per game, one and a half blocks, good good field goal percentage. And unlike a lot of the guys we're talking about, he doesn't kill you at the free throw line. He was above 70% for the first time in his career last year uh, on four attempts per game. Doesn't turn the ball over. So for nine cat, especially, I, I really like him. I think he's a, a surefire top 50 guy who I wouldn't be against taking in the fourth round. Yeah, he mentioned the scoring output and then the career high at free throw. Also a beautiful upward trend in his free throw percentage. Pretty much he basically was even in 13, 14, 14, 15. But, um, mm-hmm. And then there was also a little bit uh, of a downtick there too. But this a really nice overall upward trend. And he's going to probably hit, I think, 74 is within reach for him. Um, just do you, Are you concerned about the injuries? He's got that bad back. We had that doubtful tag for like a month. Oh. Um, but yeah. And also he was uh, 77% post-break last year. So And that's in 27-game sample. So he's capable of hitting uh, mid-70s for sure. Yeah, and that you oh, you mentioned that back injury that was just interminable. And <laughs> it was one of those situations like a couple years ago with Gasol when he hurt his knee, uh, Mark Gasol that is, and the Grizzlies just wouldn't update it, and they're like just this ominous sense of dread built up over weeks and weeks and weeks, and finally it turned out he had a sprained MCL and he was out for however long. Um, I, I got the same vibe with Favors, and fortunately it wasn't all that serious. It was just some sort of. Uh, vague back injury uh, i'm sure they gave some specifics but i don't remember what it was but um yeah it was painful so i think a lot of his owners are going to be scared off him because of that but i view that as just a kind of temporary glitch uh i don't see that as a long-term injury that's going to affect him all right back to our our topic i guess man this is a longer pod than i thought it was going to be um but where do you see him fitting in that in that group there um pretty much he's going to i expect him to go in that jv rudy Pau gasol range he's going to go right right in there right yeah, I'd take uh, I'd take Gobert over him. I think um, I don't know between Favors, Powell, Valanciunas, it's all it's all kind of a toss up. We're, yeah. we're we're you know splitting hairs. Yeah, the back injury gives me a little bit more concern than the other ones. So I think... I'd, I'd take Favors over Powell though. I I just yeah yeah. Powell's been great, but just his age and and role, I'm not 100 percent sold on him on yeah. the Spurs. He would come in just after JV for me. Uh, I like Favors quite a bit. All right, so that uh, and then we've talked about Jonas. We don't need to talk about Valachunas anymore. Um, no, just yeah, we, we've talked about it in the whole pot. Um, so just some sneaky kind of backups to keep in mind. Uh, keep in mind here, uh, Brandon Wright hurt all last season. Um, there's obviously some injury concerns with Marcus Saul as well. So uh, and when when he was on with with the Suns towards the end of two seasons ago, man, he lit it up. Uh, great shot blocker too. So where do you? I mean, just just keep an eye on him, right? Yeah, um, I really like him, and I drafted him in plenty of leagues yeah. last year. He actually killed me in 30 deep. I thought he was going <laughs> to be a, a late round steal for me, and just injuries, and yeah, never, never got going. But with Gasol's health is kind of a question mark, and even if he's healthy, I could see Brandon Wright playing, you know, low 20 minutes. Um, faster pace this year, I think, should help him. So if he's healthy, I actually like him to contribute even in 12 team leagues. But I wouldn't draft him necessarily nah. as you said just kind of keep an eye on him yeah put the old flag on there for the watch list yeah uh, uh javel mcgee uh shocked in a full hall of famer um he's gonna get a camp invite uh i want to see how this goes down what do you uh just kind of just something to watch right uh <laughs> it's something to watch but not for fantasy reasons just because it's gonna be funny um, yeah he can i don't block though he can, yeah, he's he's a good shot blocker. But even if he makes the Warriors, who are the ones who are giving him a, a make good deal for training camp, yeah. um, 
Yeah, there's going to be no minutes there. There's no fantasy relevance for me. Yeah. And then another guy who kind of disappointed in blocks, that's Alex Lynn. Looked like he had some blocking potential at times uh, early in his career. Uh, and last season, uh, two seasons ago in particular, 14-15, he played 22 minutes a game, had 1.5 blocks. Uh, and then his minutes went up 23.3, and his blocks went way down to 0.8. And his free field goal percentage went way, way down from 57% to 42% NERC range. Um, with an increased opportunity, played a lot of power forward. Um, I, I always like Len, man, and I and I don't think he's in, he's in a worse spot this year. He's going to pretty much play straight center. It sounds like uh, mm. now that they've really reinforced their power forwards with Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris, and they're going to start Jared Dudley there. It sounds like so yeah. you're looking at, but you're looking at about the same minutes. You're looking at about 23 minutes, pretty much a straight split. I don't think that Williams is going to get in the rotation just as a backup. But yeah, uh, I think he's a dark horse to get to 1.3 blocks or so. Yeah, a, a dark horse seems accurate. I don't, I don't necessarily think he'll get there. Um, the Lena's power forward experiment last year was interesting, but you mentioned that's pretty much the kibosh has been put on that by them drafting two power forwards consecutively. So they're obviously not sold on his future at that position. Um, as long as Tyson Chandler's healthy, the minutes are always going to be an issue. Uh, that terrible field goal percentage from a big man, I, I hate. Um, he was at 1.9 turnovers per game in just 23 minutes last year, so that hurts a nine-cat. Um, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of issues. I'd put him somewhere in that late-round range, I guess, with, like, John Henson. But in terms of specialist appeal, he's not he's not even as high. Do you buy that 42% from the field? Or do you, does that, that just doesn't, I mean, that, that can't happen again. I think he has to get to 46 at least. And it doesn't necessarily ring true. I was optimistic that he'd have a big year last year. You know, you talk about he's been hampered by those ankle injuries throughout his career. Uh, but he played 78 games, and he had opportunities. He just... Yeah, just struggled, but yeah. I, th- I, th- I think forty-two percent is a bit of a an illusion. I think he'll he'll be better than that. One of my favorite Alex Len DFS stats was how terrible he was on back-to-backs. Four- mm. Fourteen back-to-backs. You're probably gonna laugh at this. Thirty-two point three percent from the field. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like yeah, yeah, no thank you on Len on back-to-backs. Maybe the- he'll shake that. Uh, okay, so Kyle Quinn, Joe Kim Noah Insurance. Just someone to keep an eye on. I know yep. you like COQ. I do too. I do too. Rhyming it up. Anything? Yeah, I, I like him. Got to keep an eye on. Um, per minute, he's a beast. But I say that every single season, and his minutes don't increase. So I'm, yeah. I'm not targeting him. But nah, just, always, always a guy to watch on the wire. And if any injury hits, I'll be running to get him. Yeah, I, I see him as a Hornacek kind of guy. Uh, nice interior passing from him and stuff. So. Um, yeah, just if, if Noah goes down, then we'll talk. But, yeah, just keep an eye. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, kind of the same with Gasol. Good block numbers, but, I mean, he's just not a good fantasy guy for ceiling. He's had a couple nice blips on the radar for DFS. Anything you want to add there? No, I don't I don't see him doing anything this okay. year. And just some guards that can help you out in blocks, kind of the well-rounded guys. Um, we've talked about pretty much these guys before. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Danny Green, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Nick Batum's always been pretty decent in blocks. Anything jump out at you there you want to talk about? Uh, no, it's a pretty good group, but you like, you know, Hollis Jefferson also gives you steals, Batum, same deal. Um, Danny Green, we could have a whole podcast devoted just to him, and if you missed it, we talked about him and potential bounce-back players uh, in our last podcast, so you could you could check that out. Yeah, and we'll, we'll both probably be targeting Green. Um, he's just, he's so good for fantasy, just uh, like, like Millsap, kind of, but without the points and the defense, I guess. 
Uh, so point guards, MCW had some good blocks before he got hurt. Uh, John Wall's always been decent. Bledsoe, Brandon Knight uh, had some good blocks after the break in the smaller sample, but that's kind of fluky. Any, anybody, I mean, point guard, you, you're not looking at blocks other than maybe Bledsoe to really help you out there. Yeah, that's just like a fun bonus. Um, yeah. But Carter Williams, we've talked about before, I'm not going to touch him. No. Um, yeah, so... You know, when it comes to blocks and point guards, that's just a fun little little asterisk to put there, but nothing I would rely on or draft for, for sure. Yeah. All right, man. So, our pod. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, that, so much for doing, like, a quick one category thing. But yeah, I was I mean, going to say, that's a lot of block talk right yeah, there. Yeah, man. But uh, I'm sure probably everyone listening could kind of get a good feel for our board for how we see big men going down. Um, mm. But yeah, we got to mention the draft guide is going to be coming out. Um, in what three weeks now, uh, which is pretty crazy. So we'll have yeah. all that out. We'll have everything specified for other strategies, other just obviously where people have them, outlooks, new new stuff going on, a lot of cool stuff. Um, what well, I guess what are your favorite things that you got thrown in there? Uh, I always like I do a, a column called the prices right where I look at um, uh, auction prices for for players. I basically project their value and then assign a, a dollar value to them, and that's always a, a favorite of mine. Um, ADP analysis. I look at Yahoo, ESPN leagues, and on average where players are going, and kind of you know divine who's undervalued, who's overvalued, that sort of thing. Um, yep, thirty team injury report. So I'll I'll sum up and continually update uh, a report showing where everyone is who's recovering from an injury, uh, all sorts of mock drafts. We just have, there's a ton of content. And I think you mentioned, but we have uh, strategy guides for punting, strategy guides for auction drafts, for DFS, for, you know, any any format you could think of. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I got um, second half studs I, I just wrote up over the weekend, uh, field goal percentage killers I did over the weekend. So a lot of the guys we've been talking about, and it's also free throw percentage, just guys you want to keep an eye on, uh, which is what we talk about on every podcast. But um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, and then out, a lot of outlooks, and it's going to be ridiculous how much content we have in there. So, well, I think it's like fourteen bucks. Totally worth it if you're um, if you're hey if you're listening to an August podcast, man. Uh, I, I could tell you're probably into as much content as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get out of here on that. Not sure what else is coming up for the week, but we got a few good FIBA games with some uh, implications for the quarterfinals coming up today that I just wanted to touch on really fast. Um, Croatia had one of the biggest letdowns I've ever seen uh, over the weekend uh, and lost to Nigeria Nigeria is playing Brazil Brazil has to win that game um, and then Spain has a huge game against Argentina if Brazil can pull it out uh, mm. and then Lithuania versus Croatia the, the late night game which I'm, I'm really excited for uh, tonight at 9.30 Eastern time so any, anything uh, there fun for you? No, it's just been great watching all these games, and I, I love, you know, the U.S. hasn't been as dominant as expected, obviously, but it's it's just a joy to watch. Uh, great competition. I'd personally rather watch a close game and seeing players kind of figure each other out, and they're obviously not quite comfortable together. Defensively, they're not really on a string, but it's still, it's fun to watch, and I like, I'd rather take a close ending than a blowout any day. What do you think's up with Team USA real quick before we get out of here? They're, I mean, they're about back-to-back three-point wins. Just a lack of familiarity. Like yeah. I said, defensively, I think they're kind of just all over the map. They're not covering for each other as they should be. Um, offensively, down the stretch, they just devolve into isolation basketball, and that's that's not the way they want to play, but it's a lack of familiarity. They haven't practiced all that much, and yeah, they just you know kind of need to, to get a little more cohesion. 
Do you think they're going to buckle down in the quarters and semis and gold medal game? Or what? Yeah, they're they're too yeah. talented to yeah. to lose. I think they're starting to see the issues, and Thibodeau is going to whip them into shape and <laughs> in practices over the next few days defensively. And I think you know we've seen them take some lumps, but they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean we're going to get a, a pretty tough matchup in the first round. We'll either get Spain, Brazil, or Croatia, depending on how the the tiebreakers shake out. So it's going to be interesting, I guess, to see. Who, yeah. Who do you think is the uh, the biggest, most realistic threat to Team USA if they were going to lose? Ah, uh, man. Argentina, so Argentina plays... I think it's got to be Spain, right? And, uh, in, the yeah. fir- in the first round. And then, obviously, Australia gave them a good game. Um, I think that Serbia just surprised them. So I don't really see Serbia... It, they kicked butt yesterday, by the way, against China, which everyone just yeah. destroyed China pretty much. Um, but France played them close. Uh, I think... I think I think seeing a new team like Spain could... I mean, they have just such good depth on that team. Uh, good three-point shooting. Rubio has played pretty decent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think oh. I still think, despite how poorly Spain has played, I still think they're kind of the dark horse to... to I'm, I'm with you there. And if, if they had Marcus Gasol, they'd be, you know, even more threatening. Um, yeah. But even, even without him, I think they're the clear number two, despite a slow start to the tournament. Yep. All right, so we will get out of here on that. There's actually no hoops tomorrow. They get a little rest day before the quarters shape up. So enjoy the games today. Uh, a lot of good semifinal stuff coming up, quarters as well. Uh, we'll be doing probably another specialist pod, maybe with but you and I. This is fun, and we'll figure something else out. So you guys enjoy your week, and thanks for coming on, Ryan. You got it. See you, Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.